0: Hi, welcome back to Rock Talk with Dr. Cropper. If you've been following along, you will have noticed that the last two weeks I did two Taylor Swift-themed episodes. And this week is a bit more similar to what I had been covering before the two Taylor episodes. Last week's episode clocked in at over three hours, which was much longer than I intended for it to be and consequently this week's episode is hopefully going to be a very fun one, and hopefully much, much shorter. So today's lesson is entitled Top 20 Musical Events I Would Visit in a Time Machine. I figured this could be a fun, lighthearted topic to fill the gap between the ones that are based off of particular tours and that sort of thing. My hope is to keep it around an hour lengthwise so that means i have about two to three minutes to talk about each event so i'm gonna rattle them off pretty quick one quick note is that i chose not to do any revisionist history sort of things where you know go back to the day that so-and-so died and uh, do whatever you can to stop it from happening because whoever you pick someone's gonna say oh why didn't you save this person and there'd be no end to it so uh, I'm not doing any butterfly effect-inducing things. I'm just going to, for the most part, be an innocent bystander with these events that I choose to go back to. One other quick note is that I'll be going in chronological order, so they aren't actually sorted in order of preference. Also, I tried to incorporate as much variety as possible. There are six Led Zeppelin-related events but it's my list, so I'm allowed to do that. Okay, so the first event I would go back to is a Robert Johnson performance. Uh, he's the legendary blues guitarist from Mississippi who passed away in 1938 at the age of 27, so this would be uh, more than likely seeing him at some sort of bar or uh, drinking establishment, Uh somewhere in mississippi uh anytime in the mid-30s there i don't actually have dates for particular concerts of his but i would go see him somewhere in mississippi in the mid-30s and i think it would be really cool to see the godfather of the blues as he's sometimes referred to in basically the birthplace of the delta blues i've been through mississippi and actually stopped at the crossroads Where he allegedly sold his soul to the devil in exchange for his ability to play the blues as well as he did, which most historians now believe to be inaccurate. But anyhow, it was a cool thing to see. And, uh, Mississippi was neat to drive through with it being so flat with all the cotton fields and everything. So I think it would be cool to go to a show there back then and see him. My next stop would be in July of 1957. I, decided not to put any other events in the 50s because I didn't know where to draw the line between whether I wanted to see Elvis or Chuck Berry or Jerry Lee Lewis, and I was running out of spots. So I ended up keeping all of them out. Uh, So July 1957, I would stop in Liverpool to witness John Lennon meeting Paul McCartney, which of course is uh, one of the most, at least in the music world, historically significant meetings of the 20th century as they would go on to become one of the best, if not the best, uh, songwriting duo of the century at the very least. This is the only time where I might be a bit more than an innocent bystander. I would take a picture of them so that I could sell it once I got back to 2020, and uh, I would probably capture them looking kind of befuddled at why I was taking their picture, but you can't turn down a chance like that. My next stop would then be an early Beatles show sometime in 1961 or 62, likely. I'm not sure if it would be in Hamburg or Liverpool. Uh, it doesn't really matter. I wasn't able to find any great details about uh, which ones might have had particularly notable set lists, uh, so I'd be happy with pretty much any of them, I think. My fourth stop would then be a Beach Boys concert at some point in the early to mid-60s. I couldn't decide on one particular show for this one either, but as long as it's one where Brian Wilson was still touring with them, uh, they all seemed to have pretty good set lists at that point, and they played Surfer Girl regularly, which is one of my favorite Beach Boys songs. Stop number five is one of only two recording studio moments I've chosen. I've always been more enthralled with the live concert side of the music industry, as you've probably already noticed. Uh, even with my band, I always preferred the shows to uh even times in rehearsal when we were writing stuff. Maybe it's just a drummer thing that you get bored easy when uh, too much time is spent on working out vocal arrangements or choosing a tuning and stuff but uh, yeah I've always preferred the live side of things but there are a few studio moments that I think would be worth witnessing and one of them took place on February 15th 1966 in Nashville which is the fifth stop that I would make in my time machine and that would be to witness Bob Dylan recording Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands, which closes his Blonde on Blonde album and is my favorite song of his. He had started recording the album in New York in 65 and wasn't liking the sound, so he moved to Nashville and employed some of the seasoned uh, session musicians there. And in mid-February on the 15th, They cut Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands. The recording session that night started at 6 p.m., but they didn't really start doing anything. Dylan just sat there uh, working out the lyrics to this while the band hung around and played cards. And then at 4 in the morning, he called them all in and said he was ready to take a stab at it, so away they went. And the cool thing is that he hardly gave the band any instructions. He basically told them, The time signature and the key and counted them in and then off they went and you can hear them get excited as they hear the lyrics unfold and also i read an account by the drummer on the session who said that uh, you can hear them peak around the second chorus because they're thinking oh this must be the end of the song and uh, of course it wasn't because it's uh, about 11 minutes 20 seconds long so they're, he said by the end of it, they're looking at each other laughing, thinking, like, we peaked five minutes ago, what are we supposed to do now? But uh, it all worked out. And Dylan has also never played Sad-Eyed Lady of the Lowlands live, so that's why it would be especially cool to witness the writing and recording process, because that's all we have of it. My sixth stop would be the Beatles' August ninth, 1966 concert at Candlestick Park in San Francisco, which turned out to be their last concert other than the little rooftop show that they did in 1969. I chose 66 because I liked that the set list included stuff from Rubber Soul and Revolver, which are two of my favorite Beatles albums. The set list for the show was Rock and Roll Music, She's a Woman, If I Needed Someone, Day Tripper, Babies in Black, I Feel Fine, Yesterday, I Wanna Be Your Man, Nowhere Man, Paperback Writer, and Long Tall Sally, which included a tease of In My Life at the end, which uh, the other shows on that tour uh, do do not seem to have had. So that made this one uh, an easy choice when you combine that with the historical significance of it being their last proper concert. Stop number seven is my second of two studio moments that I selected, and this one is Led Zeppelin's first time playing together at a rehearsal space in London on August 12th, 1968. Whenever you read accounts by members of the band of that first time that they played together, they all say how it was really magical and just unlike anything they had heard before. So as a massive Led Zeppelin fan, I think it would be really cool to witness that. Stop number eight would be the Doors concert at the Aquarius Theater in Hollywood on July 21st, 1969. They did an early and a late show that day. The late show is better and contains the all-time best version of Light My Fire, in my opinion, uh, 13 minutes, and it's really awesome. Uh, But I'll say I stop at both shows for the purpose of this exercise, and both contain a celebration of the lizard complete which was not often performed. So that makes this an easy choice also at the late show they play Touch Me and Crystal Ship which are two of my favorites and two that weren't often played live at least after the the very early years in the case of Crystal Ship. Uh, having a Doors show as one of my stops was a must. Uh, I saw The Doors of the 21st Century with my dad as I mentioned in the first episode uh, back in 2004 at uh, what was then the Molson Amphitheater in Toronto, but that was just Ray Manzarek and Robbie Krieger. Uh, John Densmore elected not to play the drums on that tour, and obviously Jim Morrison uh, passed away quite a while ago in 1971. So stopping at a door show to be able to see them with the proper lineup and to see Jim uh, was a must when making this list. The ninth event I would stop at is arguably the defining event of that generation of the whole late 60s uh, movement and of at least the the musical side of what baby boomers have meant to society and that is the Woodstock Festival which took place in Bethel New York from August 15th to 18th in 1969 besides the historical significance which is massive this festival also had an incredible lineup that would enable me to get a lot of birds stoned at once, as they would say in Trailer Park Boys. I mean, Richie Havens, Joan Baez, Country Joe McDonald, Santana, John Sebastian, Canned Heat, The Grateful Dead, Creedence Clearwater Revival, Janis Joplin, Sly and the Family Stone, The Who, who I have seen twice, but obviously without Keith Moon and John Entwistle. Jefferson Airplane, Joe Cocker, Country Joe and the Fish, Ten Years After, The Band, Johnny Winter, Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young, and of course Jimi Hendrix. My tenth stop would be a concert at the Fillmore East in New York on February thirteenth, 1970, where the Grateful Dead and Allman Brothers uh, co-headlined. They both played an early and a late show where the Allman Brothers would go first and then and then The Dead would do two sets. The Dead's second set of The Late Show, which is included on Dick's Picks Volume 4, contains what I believe to be the all-time best version of Dark Star, uh, 29 minutes flowing straight into a 30-minute version of The Other One, flowing straight into a 30-minute version of Turn On Your Love Light, and then uh, We Bid You Good Night for the Encore. And The Dead started that second uh, set of The Late Show just after two in the morning. So Uh, That would have been quite a night to be in attendance for. My 11th stop would be seven months later and a couple blocks northwest, Led Zeppelin's last show of their summer 1970 tour at Madison Square Garden on September 19th. They played an early and a late show, so we'll say I'm going to both, but the evening show is the one that's really special. It's uh, definitely in the conversation for best Zeppelin show ever, and is certainly the best up until that point in their career. Just a phenomenal performance from all four of them. Plant still had his full high range, and it's the last concert they played in 1970, which makes it the last show before they recorded Led Zeppelin 4 You'll hear much more about this show in a few weeks when I do an episode on that tour, but the set list immigrant song heartbreaker dazed and confused bring it on home and then an announcement about Jimi hendrix's passing which took place the day before sadly uh, that's the way Braun since i've been loving you an organ solo into thank you what is and what should never be moby dick and whole lot of love all of that so far is was standard for that tour although whole lot of love contains by far the longest and best uh, medley of the year which I'll get into on the episode uh, a few weeks from now. And then for the encores, it starts with one of only two complete performances of Out on the Tiles flowing straight into Communication Breakdown, which includes Gallows Pole in the middle, which was not played very often at all. Then they come back out and play a medley, starting with The Girl Can't Help It by Little Richard, going into I'm Talking About You by Chuck Berry, and then finishing with 20 Flight Rock by Eddie Cochran. And if all of that wasn't enough, they closed things out with the only version of How Many More Times on that tour, and it includes No Money Down by Chuck Berry and Blueberry Hill by Fats Domino, and is one of the better versions, I think. My 12th stop would be the first night of the Rolling Stones' brief 1971 tour in the UK before they went into tax exile in uh, southern France where they would uh, write and record Exile on Main Street. So this is just before Sticky Fingers came out, and it's March 4th in Newcastle. The reason I chose this one is it's reported that they played Can't You Hear Me Knocking, which is my second favorite song of theirs, and would make this the only time it was played prior to the Licks tour in 2002-2003, which is kind of mind-boggling to me. But anyhow, that's why I chose this show. My 13th stop would be Led Zeppelin's September 29th, 1971 show in Osaka, Japan, which was the second night in Osaka and the last night of the tour. I'll be doing an episode about this tour in the coming weeks as well, so I'm not going to go into too much detail about why this is my favorite of the tour. But uh, it's an incredible performance combined with a unique set list because it contains the only live version of Friends off of Led Zeppelin 3. And they also play a little bit of Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, and they include a bit of Pennies in Heaven in what's an all-time great version of Dazed and Confused, which is really cool. Whole lot of Love contains some really unique riffs and Twist and Shout in the medley, which was very uh, unique as well. And then one of my favorite versions of Communication Breakdown is part of the encores, and they also play a really good version of Thank You in the encore. Stop fourteen is another Zeppelin concert. This time, June nineteenth, nineteen seventy-two, in Seattle, which I already talked about at length in the nineteen seventy-two tour episode. So I won't get into it too much here. But it contains the first live performances of "The Ocean," "Dancing Days," which they played twice, "Black Country Woman," and the only time they played it complete, as well as "Over the Hills and Far Away." and also just really great versions of all the other songs, Uh, a nice long Whole lot of Love medley, and the longest string of encores of their career with uh, a really great organ solo from Jones that has hints of amazing grace, and they play Louie Louie in the middle of it as well as Let's Dance by Chris Montez before they go into Thank You. So yeah, this one would definitely be one to see, and the five Zeppelin shows that I've chosen are all ones that have that hit factor where you can tell from the opening notes that it's going to be a special night and they all have a unique set list for their particular year. Stop number 15 then is Zeppelin's March 21st, 1975 show in Seattle, which I also discussed at length in the 1975 episode, but very briefly it has one of only three 1975 versions of Since I've Been Loving You, It's one of only 275 shows where they play all four of the encore songs that they used that year, Whole Lotta Love, Black Dog, Communication Breakdown, and Heartbreaker, the other being The Last Night in Earl's Court. It has one of the three 40-minute versions of Dazed and Confused and my personal favorite version, and a really good and long Stairway to Heaven at just under 13 minutes, one of the best versions of No Quarter and is actually my all-time favorite Zeppelin show and consequently favorite concert of all time. Stop number 16 would be Zeppelin's June twenty-second, 1977 show at the Forum in Los Angeles, which is the second of six nights that they played there on the 77 tour, which was a record at the time and I believe remained the record for most nights played at the Forum on a particular tour and is definitely one of the great Uh, multi-night residencies in a place ever undertaken by any artist. Once again I discussed this one at length in the 1977 episode from a few weeks ago so I'll be brief but I think this is the best show of 77. It combines the energy of the first night in LA with the relaxed confidence of the third night It is the only 77 show that has both In My Time of Dying and Over the Hills and Far Away, both of which are potential best-ever versions. It has the longest-ever version of No Quarter at 34 minutes. Yeah, so I really can't say enough about this show, and I would love to go back to it in my hypothetical time machine, and I had to get at least one uh, Zeppelin show in there at the Forum in L.A., which was their sort of home away from home and uh, favorite place to play. My 17th stop would be a Bob Marley and the Wailers concert on June 28th, 1978 at the Plaza de Toros in Ibiza, Spain. I chose this show. I wanted to have a Marley show somewhere in here. I chose this one because it contains one of only two live versions of Waiting in Vain uh, off of Exodus, which is uh, one of my favorite songs of his. The only other time it was played was a few weeks earlier in Montreal, but that show didn't have as long of a set and didn't contain "Lively Up Yourself, which is probably my favorite song of his and was his best live song, I would say, so I couldn't pick that show. Also, I've been to Montreal a lot of times, and it's great, but I have only been to Spain once, and that was for a day in Barcelona before getting on a cruise, so I would love to see Ibiza. And this show had what appears to be quite a long set list by Marley Standers at 19 songs, with five of those being in the encore. So I'm sure it would have been a fun one to be at. The set list was Positive Vibration, Them Belly Full But We Hungry, Concrete Jungle, Rebel Music, Three O'clock Roadblock, War, No More Trouble, Running Away, Crazy Bald Head, Crisis, I Shot the Sheriff no woman no cry is this love lively up yourself jamming and then the encore punky reggae party easy skanking waiting in vain get up stand up and exodus so that sounds like it would have been quite an awesome show in quite a cool place my 18th stop would be an acdc show with bon scott in 1978 either the April 30th show at the Apollo Theater in Glasgow, which was used for the live album If You Want Blood. The reason I would consider this one is it contains the only live version of Give Me a Bullet, which is one of my favorite songs off of the Powerage album, and was not included on the If You Want Blood uh, live release of this show. Uh, It would be between this show or one of the ones later in 78 when Gone Shootin' was in the set list, which I've heard on bootlegs, and uh, sounds like it worked really well live, so I might have to lean that way. I've seen ACDC once, uh, that was in 2015 at Downsview Park here in Toronto, and uh, I really liked it, but I definitely had to stop at one of the shows when Bon Scott was still the singer uh, for this Time Machine hypothetical uh, exercise. And also, I like the Bon Scott era the best, so attending a show in that era with a set list that's heavy on stuff from that time would be really cool. Also, I should have mentioned earlier, the reason I didn't choose more uh, Stones moments is I've seen them five times, and even though all of those have been since 2013, uh, since Mick Taylor was at the show that I saw in 2013, and I got to see him play on Midnight Rambler and Can't You Hear Me Knocking, I didn't feel as much of a need to see them uh, back when they were in their prime, apart from that Newcastle show that I chose for the historical significance. And then skipping ahead a few decades now, my 19th stop would be a Taylor Swift concert at Arrowhead Stadium in Kansas City on the Speak Now tour September 24th, 2011. I chose this one because it contains the only live performance so far of Superman, A bonus track off of the deluxe edition of Speak Now, which uh, is one of my favorites of her songs that haven't made it onto an album proper. As I mentioned, the past two weeks I've seen her three times, once on the 1989 tour and twice on the Reputation tour, but I really wish that I could have seen her on one of the earlier ones with a set list that was heavy on that uh, section of her career and Speak Now is my favorite album, as you heard last week, so I decided to go with one from the Speak Now tour. Also, I've been to Kansas City, and it's a pretty neat little midwestern city with great barbecue, so what's not to love? And then my 20th and final stop is maybe a bit of a goofy pick, and I don't mean it uh, in an egotistical way at all, but it is one of my band's own shows or i guess my former band now uh our august 20th 2016 show at corktown pub in hamilton which uh, was our third show that we ever played and the reason that i chose this is it had my favorite crowd of any of the shows we did a lot of my really good friends from high school came to this show as well as some really good family friends and it also had a really cool set list. It's the only time we played Dark Star. Uh, we did a little acoustic set playing That's the Way by uh, Led Zeppelin sitting on the front of the stage with me on tambourine. Uh, we certainly got a lot better in the ensuing years, and it's not our best show performance-wise, but... Uh, The crowd really made it an enjoyable one, and especially during Lazy Eye by the Silver Sun pickups, which is the only time we played it. And I had never heard it before. My friend Alex, who was our pianist and lead singer at the time, suggested that we play it. And uh, it was really fun to play. And my friends from high school and some of the other people there got up and were dancing, and you could tell they were really loving it uh, while we were playing. So Spencer, my brother, who was our lead guitarist, uh, took an extended solo. And it was just a really cool feeling to experience for the first time that, like, look, we made people feel that way by what we're doing up here. And uh, it would be fun to go back and relive that. And I think it goes to show how, as performers, sometimes the faces who are or aren't there in the crowd can make even more of a difference on our Perception of how good or bad the show was than the actual playing does. And that concludes my little journey through time. I told you it'd be a short one. Uh, I would be curious to see where some of you would choose to stop in the music world if you had the chance to go back with a time machine. So reach out, let me know. If you're an old listener, thanks for sticking with me. If you're a new one, welcome. And I hope you like what you hear. Next week, I am going to be covering the Grateful Dead's August 27th, 1972 show in Veneta, Oregon. So look forward to that. And until next time, class dismissed.